Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Topical Brainstorm. I'm Christian, I'm here with Garrett. Say hi. Hello. Yes, or say hello, that works. Hi. And <laughs> we are back with another chapter from Outliers by Malcolm Gladwell. Sorry, Outliers, the story of success by Malcolm Gladwell. We're getting into part two today. Um which is titled Legacy. That's the title of part two. And the title of the chapter is Harlan, Kentucky, quote, die like a man, like your brother did, unquote. So let's dig into that, Garrett. Very interesting title, for sure. So (laughs) this chapter... Uh, this part entitled Legacy is really about more of the the ethnic backgrounds of people and how that leads them to be the way that they are. Specifically, this chapter talks about why Kentucky uh, and really most of the West was just kind of lawless when it was being settled and why family feuds became a big thing, why uh, why personal slights really angered people back then. And it goes back to this idea that they, a, a lot of these people were from Scotland, these immigrants that settled this area. And Scotland was a place that was really rocky, hard to grow stuff. And the people there had a lot of animals and that's how they made their living. And these animals were, it was like their lifeblood. If someone tried to steal their animal, they were stealing pretty much their entire life because they, they couldn't survive without these animals. And this led to, I can't remember what he calls it. Um, Culture of honor. Yeah, it led to this culture of honor where if someone slighted your honor, you were basically allowed to kill them. (laughs) And everyone was just cool with that. It was just how it worked. Very interesting. Yeah, for sure. And he talked about two families. One, they were, I think one was on the Kentucky side, one was on the West Virginia side of of the valley but the howards and the turners and basically how it started off with two men one from each family in a game of poker and at the end of the night each one claimed the other one was a cheater so they met for a duel and one killed the other one and then that family got revenge by killing two of the other family and then they killed people and they killed people and within a span of a couple years there were like how many people 12 14 people yeah some crazy number it was like over the span of 10 years there were a thousand deaths not i'm not sure if they were all related to that feud but like a thousand deaths in the area like a thousand murders and he compared it to the hatfields and mccoys which i think is the most famous example of this but feuds like this were happening all up and down the appalachian mountains 
And like Garrett said, it was because they all came and they lived as herdsmen. They weren't farmers. And that was kind of the variation or the other side of the coin that he talked about, how farmers kind of rely upon community and no one's going to steal their crops because they'd have to harvest their crops and that's work, right? Whereas if you could steal a bunch of goats or sheep, sheep, sorry, <laughs> that would be easier. So these who these men and families who grew up in, who were originally from Scotland, they really had to be tough and not let people know they couldn't mess with them. And that carried into the Appalachians where they still lived kind of that herdsman lifestyle. <clears throat> but the crazy thing was that also continued to today, or at least the 1990s, where there was a study done in Michigan at the University of Michigan, which I thought was really funny, <laughs> the way they conducted this study. But they had they had students walk in and fill out a questionnaire or something and then go deliver it at a desk and then walk out. But as, on their way out of the hallway, there was a big guy at like a, a cabinet or something, and there wasn't enough room for them to get by. So they kind of had to like jostle him, or it was just a situation where they there was a little bit of conflict and they had the guy at the cabinet um, or the file cabinet, just call them an, an asshole, <laughs> which was just funny that they set up this scenario just to get people mad and see yeah. how they reacted to it. And they didn't know that was coming. Right. So once they get through the hallway, then they really did the experiment where they would, test their saliva levels. They would test their heart rate and a bunch of other things. And people from the South would have a much bigger stress reaction to being called that than people from anywhere else would. And the only thing they could, that was the only differentiation was people from the South or people from the North, or whether they stayed stressed out or stayed aggressive which is crazy because most of those kids at University of Michigan were from rich families. They weren't herdsmen. They were they were rich, but they still lived in that culture of honor to some yeah. extent because they were from the South. And that's where their descendants were, not descendants, their ancestors came from. Yeah, it just makes the overarching point that your ancestral background really does play a role in who you are today, even if you don't really think that. Um. And that study really goes a long way in proving that. They also did another study where they found that those people from the South weren't, uh, they were slower to anger than those from the North. But once they got angry, they, they shot up and went way past the anger of those people that are from the North, which is really interesting to me. And I, I don't know. I, I think that's fair. <laughs> from the southerners that i know that it's fair yeah it's like uh, southern hospitality yeah right? yeah it's like it's a thing. definite thing <laughs> southern people are a lot of fun and they have really good food yeah true big big fan of food <laughs> i thought that study was funny because what they did was they had the 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 participants filling out a test or something and then they had just one really annoying guy in the room yeah <laughs> It reminds like, me of that S 
Sorry, go ahead. Have you seen the SNL skit, uh, the copy machine guy? No. It's like Rob Schneider. You no. should look it up. It's pretty funny. <laughs> it reminded me of that, honestly. But I laughed how he was calling everybody slick. Yeah. <laughs> he'd like he'd do the same line on everybody where he'd take their test and be like, I'm gonna write your name on it, and he'd write the word slick. <laughs> that's just that's funny stuff. <laughs> honestly, it could be a comedy sketch. Like Yeah. It's and hilarious. Very interesting. He explained how people from the north and maybe just people from outside of the culture of honor, he just he defined it as the north, but they would show irritation quicker than people from the South would, but then they'd level off. And people from the South would just have a breaking point where suddenly they'd be very mad, which was, yeah, I agree with you, Garrett. Super interesting. Super funny. I think that the last <laughs> chapter we talked about where it was, I'm not sure if it was the last chapter, but the chapter about how being Jewish was an advantage in the early 1900s. Yeah. Uh, especially for professional careers like lawyers and doctors and stuff. I feel like that chapter also could have gone into part two about the legacy uh, because it's really just about taking into account how your ancestors play a role in how you are the way that you are, which I think, I don't know. It's just something I've never really thought about, but it seems to be true. Yeah. I can't dispute what he's written, at least. Yeah, no, I, I hear where you're coming from. And I had to scroll through my notes, but part one was titled Opportunity. And now we're in part two of of Legacy. And I agree. I think the last chapter about Joe Flom definitely had some legacy aspects to it. Um, one other fun fact, kind of, about that culture of honor. And that's where that line came from that we mentioned at the beginning of the episode, where in that feud between the Howards and the Turners, one of the, one of the boys came back to his house and he had been shot in the arm or something. And he was whining, which I think that's a fine time to whine probably usually, (laughs) but his mother said, die like a man, like your brother did. And so he shut up and he died like the next day in a gunfight. So, just crazy that for me hearing like a mother say that to her son is, is, was kind of shocking. I'm definitely, uh, I, I think he had actually been shot in the stomach and maybe, ended up bleeding out. Is that what happened? Yeah. Or shot in the torso somewhere. Yeah. I think, and I that's, think you're right. <laughs> that's, that's funny to, it's just insane that they expected death that much to say, you know, die like a man like your brother did. And yeah. it was just normal back then to yeah. kill each other off. Accepted, acceptable to them. Yeah. Um, and they talked about how there was a court case where a guy was getting picked on by a bunch of people at like a gas station. At least that's how I pictured it in my head. I guess this was probably before gas stations existed. It seemed like it took place outside of a Seven Eleven or something, but, um, like I kept getting picked on and eventually he just like, you know, and this over, over the course of weeks and months, but he went and just got a gun and just killed a bunch of people who were making fun of him. And most of the jury was like, Oh, he's not in the wrong. They were like disrespecting him. Yeah. And, 
And that's, I think, a really good example of the culture of honor, um, where that's just an acceptable thing to do. Which it's is, just, it's would, really interesting because it's totally against the legal, like the legality where they counsel you. If you're on a jury, the judge will counsel you and be like, okay, if they did it and you have no reasonable doubt that they did it, then they're guilty. Whereas this is just like, yeah, he did it, but they deserved it. <laughs> yeah. Really interesting. Huh? For sure. And they also mentioned the crime rates in the American South compared to other spots in the United States, which the American South, as of when this book was written, I'm, you know, I think most of these statistics are from the 1990s. I'm not sure how much they've changed, but the American South has always had the highest murder rate, but they have lower crime rates as far as property crimes and stranger crimes, like getting mugged by a stranger or something. And they kind of said, as long as you don't offend someone or sleep with someone's wife, you're probably safer off in the South. (laughs) (laughs) Most of those homicides, I think they put it as the guy, the murderer knew why he did it. And the person who got murdered knew why, knew why it happened as well. Knew why it happened not that he could confess to that because he was dead but those are the kind of murders that happen in the south which is also i thought that was really interesting that uh the difference in those crime rates and and why it's obviously the the culture of honor that still exists somehow today so pretty crazy stuff yeah it it is amazing how these cultural I don't even like these cultural un- underpinnings can last for for so long. At what point does that stop, you know? How yeah. do you does it ever stop? What kind of cultural uh, cultural underpinnings were there in our ancestors uh generation, you know? I I I'm kind of wondering what kind of cultural underpinnings are within me. I have no idea, you know. I'm not yeah. from the South, so. <laughs> I'm sure there are some in Utah. We've got a pretty oh, yeah. culture here. That's uh, true. That's yeah, a good point. They obviously last for, or can last for hundreds and hundreds of years. I think in this day and age, there's probably more mobility than ever as far as people rarely dying in the same place they were born right so probably more mixing of cultures probably dilutes some of this stuff i would guess yeah but not completely and yeah i'm sure these things there's probably a ton that we don't really understand about ourselves based solely on our ancestors and you know where they were born where they came from yeah weird to so What's the biggest thing you took out of this chapter that pertains to someone's success? Um, It kind of made me look back at, and a lot of this book has, but at my immediate family, my parents and the way I was raised. um, My parents definitely gave me a legacy 
and uh, um, I mean, I'm, they're still alive in case that wasn't clear about what I just said, but they have given me a legacy and uh, <coughs> sorry, there is just definitely a lot of my personality that I'm sure comes from my ancestors, you know, my demeanor and my abilities and, and work ethic. Like there's so much of it that I didn't necessarily earn or work towards, but it's just built into me going back hundreds of years. I think if anything, it just made me grateful um, for like the legacy of my ancestors and yeah, just a lot of what I've accomplished. I probably need to be thankful for to them for all the things they did and just all that, you know, I don't know if that was concise at all, but if it made yeah. sense. Oh, that makes sense. At what point does it stop being an ancestral thing and start being decisions that you've made though? You know, no idea. I, yeah. I, no one ever, no one does. <laughs> There's probably not a line, right? Because every decision I make and the thoughts I have, you know, it all comes. And this kind of goes back to our first book we ever read, How to Win Friends and Influence People. One of the main things I remember from that book is that everyone is just doing what they think is is right. You know, like everyone's doing what they see fit based on the experiences they've had in their life. Yeah, they're, all- they're doing what's right for them or what's right for humanity or, you know, just something that makes sense for them. And so much of my experience came from my parents and so much of their experience came from their parents. It's like probably every decision I make, there's some underpinning to use your word of just my ancestors in it, which is weird. But yeah, I wouldn't know where to, or if I, if there could even be a line drawn on that. That's fair. Well, I don't have anything left to add. Yeah, I think we uh, covered it. So, uh, yeah, that's all I got. All right. We'll edit thanks this one out. As we always. Say. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>